Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> oh my god, you uh, can relax. What were you saying? Okay. <laughs> okay. Give me a moment. Right. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey, and we're qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week, we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information. Oh, I've forgotten it. Not a lot. <laughs> no, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. Sorry, what was you just saying about me being an amateur? Ah, I didn't say that. You did. Yeah, you I did. did. <laughs> and now you've completely framed me off. Um, Who was it that started the recording and then dropped a microphone? Uh, just let's move on quickly. Um, <laughs> something about websites, my website. Yeah, we can be found. Com. You can be found. We can be found on Instagram. <laughs> Ladies who London. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Can we just move on? <laughs> right, you guys know where to find us. Hello. You know where to find us. Hello. Gosh, that Hello, listeners. Oh, yet. wow, that, that imploded, <laughs> didn't it? Oh, God. I mean, it's if we were professional, we'd, we'd do in a second take, but... Uh... <laughs> nah, just carry on. How are you, Em? Um, I'm all right, yeah. Yeah, good. not too bad. How are you? Yeah, all good. Just come back from my mum's 70th birthday celebrations. Oh, happy birthday, Mother. Mother yes. Lacey. <laughs> uh, Mama L, yeah. So uh, that was nice, nice little. Uh, oh my god, the weather is gorgeous, isn't it? We've just had the loveliest weekend with the most beautiful weather. It's yeah, been not, it's been so nice. Yeah, it has. Um, how about you? Yeah, good. Well, actually, I did a U last night. I went oh, to did the you? Theater. Oh, hello. What did you go and see? <laughs> I went to see Cinderella. How was it? I was very impressed with it. All right, cool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Some of the singers, my god, they could belt a tune. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was very impressed. Good. Yeah. I've not seen it, so I, I, I don't have nothing to go on. But Yeah, it's fantastic. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar. I have, I've heard of, <laughs> I've heard of him chap? before. And, uh, yes. and, and we're going to the theatre again next week. It's twice in one week for you, Em, aren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are. Oh, we are, aren't we? Is it Thursday? Yeah, we're going to go and see Operation Mincemeat again. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. How did I forget? Because it's got its second <gasps> run happening. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Shall I keep your ticket? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I okay, just, good. just forgot about it for a second, but thank you for reminding uh, me. We're going for the first preview as well because we are nerds and we went straight oh, in there. Gosh, so. honestly, I'm so excited I'm about so seeing excited. it again because 
the pace. I, I, we were just smiling ear to ear for our we entire performance, weren't we? Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> yeah, so am I. <laughs> great. Cool. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's hope the uh, it's, it's a good week ahead with lots of lovely weather as well. I mean, the weather just yeah. seems to be, I mean, unseasonably nice, which is freaky but enjoyable. So yeah. it's like, oh, I don't know what to think about it. Anyway. Mm. On with the podcast. Where with right? Pod. So, um, well, actually, any shout outs first? Um, I don't think I do actually this week. No, me neither. I've I I'm sure there are people there that we need to say hi to. I've just been so busy. I've barely slept for a week. So, if you're owed a shout out, hi. I'm sorry. We're yeah, rubbish. big shout outs to all of you. We're coming into peak season. It's the first peak season we've had since we started the podcast. So, yeah. uh, things are starting to get crazy, and we don't yeah, really know uh, which ways up. Um, no, we don't. But um, <laughs> have faith in us. Please don't leave us. <laughs> you know, we are capable-ish. Sort of, vaguely. Ish, kind of. Um, so, so, last week's mm. episode mm. was on the Pleasure Gardens. It was on the Pleasure Gardens, yes. The Wheel of Destiny uh, fell into the land of Vauxhall <laughs> and <laughs> I decided... The, the, the welcoming bosom of the... <laughs> the welcoming uh... bosom of Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. And, um, yeah, I just told you a, a little bit of, bit of information about what went on. And, and it was pretty... Yeah. I, You know, I... I'm going to start a petition to bring them back because they sounded amazing, a bit debauched, which I, you know, I love. Um, and it was, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was good to know a bit more about it because I hadn't ever really, it was one of those things I thought, oh, I, must, I must look into that and see what, you know, what that's all about. And I never had. So you did mm. the work for me. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, since then, I've been looking at pictures um, and obviously there are, there are different ones that have been done through the years. But um, uh, the front kind of, poster if you like for Handel's music mm. and it shows the image of Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens with oh, the River it? Thames just in front yeah it's really Amazing. beautiful yeah that was my pick actually wasn't it the, that uh, was I mean it's like you're getting good at this um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my pick for the podcast pedestal was um, Handel's music, the the uh, music for for Royal Fireworks, which he uh, created. And I hadn't realised, I hadn't twigged that it was a, a Pleasure Gardens production. Um, and I really love Handel because he's, you know, he's a he's a classic old chap, isn't he? He is he's, a classic. He's old got chap. some bangers. That's what he, it says he, on his blue plaque. <laughs> yeah, classic chap. Good bangers, yeah. <laughs> Good bangers, um, literally. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know that. So that was my pick. I and mean, what was your mm. pick? My pick was Elizabeth Tudley. If you tuned in, you might remember I was talking about Elizabeth Tudley arriving at a costume party, a masquerade, dressed in a, a piece of chiffon, no less, showing absolutely everything her mother gave her. And uh, I just thought it was fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she wasn't really. Ooh. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry, can we I just was just trying to look rewind. at the poll. Was that Abba? No, I was just trying to I look at the poll and, and I it flipped into my <laughs> the, like the, the main thing of Instagram and the music came to. up. Anyway. Yeah, it was her it was her barely there. I mean she wasn't really wearing much at all, was she really? <laughs> no. No, she was not the little little floozy. Um and the I thought mix. it was um quite important because it really kind of said, Well, anything goes. Yeah. You know, if people have the the confidence to be able to rock up in Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens wearing basically nothing, I think it you know, basically it said, right, you know. Be out there, out and <laughs> you proud. You can be anybody you want to be within this space. So come visit. You can have your goodies on show if you want them. That's fine. That's <laughs> <And> totally okay. 
yeah. So, which way do you think it's gone this week? Um, I, I'd like to think that I know our listeners, and I think our <laughs> listeners like a bit of cheek. <laughs> Both literally and metaphorically. Literally and metaphorically. Um, I'd like to say that they, obviously, because it's my pick, that they've gone for Elizabeth Tudley, but... Um, I don't know. The handle pick was also fantastic. So I'm, I'm swayed. I'm swayed both ways. Well, this week it has gone. Drum roll, please. <laughs> it's gone my way. Yay! Oh, it's gone your way. Well done. They've rejected well done. the source and they've gone <laughs> for the classics. I thought I knew the listeners, but I don't. Um, no, to be fair, it was a, a very good choice. Um, I think both choices were were pretty good this week. They were. So. They were. And you needed a win, my dear. You really right? did. Wow, you are not a good winner. <laughs> so ungracious. No, I'm just, you know, saying it as it is. Like, I feel so comfortable to just let you know, you know, that you yeah, really thanks. need to up your game. Thanks very much. Okay. Anyway, no, whatever. Well moving done. on. Well done. Thanks. And on the note of that from last week all of this lovely Vauxhall Pleasure Garden stuff, uh, we've had somebody get in touch with us who is a listener. Uh, and he's called Eric Michael Stone Street. And he runs a company um, called Jolly and Good. And they produce gorgeous T-shirts and other accoutrements. And it's really, really lovely. And he got in touch because... And I'm going to read you this, Emma. I don't know if I've actually read you the whole of this. Um, he got in touch with me because he was having a bit of a stinker of a day. And he put on the podcast and he listened to you describing the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. Okay. And he said, because um, he was having a stinker of a day, he just said, uh, and I decided to just go back to designing something. So I designed a shirt while listening to, this is a message he sent to a friend of his, listening to a podcast called Ladies Who London. <gasps> and then I added the shirt to the store. And then I sent a link to the host of the podcast saying that they inspired me. Oh. And it, he said... Um, so, actually, before I get onto that, he has really sweetly given us three T-shirts to give away. And they the design is beautiful. I've always sent the design to Emily. It's gorgeous. And actually, who is the designer of, Emily? Well, we think, actually, um, he was inspired by the description of Elizabeth Tudley, no less. The yeah. woman who uh, wears practically nothing. Um it's a fabulous design. It's really it's lovely. so exciting. The, the design is, it says Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. It's got the start and end dates. And then it has a picture of a scantily clad lady um, who uh, he has actually said it was inspired by your story of Elizabeth. Oh, fantastic. Um, and he has offered three T-shirts to be given away three to our listeners. Which is incredibly generous. Thank you so much, Thank Eric. Thank you. And so... Um, they are, there are two options on style. There's a unisex one and there's a ladies one, um, which is organic, uh, organic T-shirts. And you can go and have a look at their website because there's also different colours as well. So the website is Jolly Good, but it's good with an E on the end. So G-O-O-D-E dot U-K. Um, we're going to put a thing up on our website where you can go and enter. And then when we pick the winners, and I think we're going to, do we reckon, what, two weeks? Um, yeah, two weeks. Two, two weeks. Um, we'll pick three winners at the end and then we will get put you in touch with Eric and he will be able to give you an, uh, you know choices of colour and style and all of that kind of thing. And he said, um, uh, I'm over the moon 
uh, I, can't, I can't believe how over the moon I am to hear them do this giveaway in the podcast next week. Having spent many hours listening to them, I'll be thrilled beyond oh, belief. So gosh, thank you so much. And what an incredibly yeah. kind offer. Um, so literally a t-shirt inspired by you, Em. Oh, that our listeners are going to get to win. So thank you so much. What, what an incredibly kind offer. And there will also be a, um, if you don't win, there will also be very sweetly a 10% discount code, which we'll give you in two weeks. Um, but do go and have a look at the website and see what you think of the design. And if you like it, which we love it, um, come and enter on the website. And we want you to do something, don't we, Em? We do. So with the idea of pleasure, we would like <laughs> you <laughs> to keep it clean, <laughs> yeah. number one, but we would like you to photograph yourself somewhere that makes you really happy. So it could be your favourite bookshop, it could be a place where you have a cup of coffee, it could even be, you know, your couch at home where you watch TV, anywhere, a park, somewhere that gives you pleasure. We'd like so, you to send those photos in. A photo of you in the place that gives you pleasure. Yeah. Not that, not that place, gang. <laughs> oh no, keep, it, keep it clean. <laughs> keep it clean, guys. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Um, but yeah, we'd like to see some, you know, somewhere, mm. or something that, you, that you're doing that, that, you, that you really enjoy, that gives you pleasure. <laughs> not like that, Emily. Will you stop? <laughs> anyway, we we've this? ruined a very lovely oh. offer by being it's general. It's such a lovely offer. Pots. Gosh, what a lovely man. So, so thank you so, yeah. so much. Um, and his designs are gorgeous so go and have a little look yeah they really are and he does and, bikinis uh, and uh, kind of phone cases all sorts of things so yeah so there we go thank mm. you so much thank you and we'll, we'll announce the winners in two weeks on with the pod then on with the pod where are we going what's, Alex what's happening this week well where are we going um, this week we went to the wonderfully vague area of Westminster <laughs> where <laughs> Westminster ever heard of it it's uh, right in the middle quite okay. near that big old thing with a clock in it um and i i'm sorry i'm really hoarse i'm still really hoarse this week so i'm i'm a bit like <laughs> i wondered what you were gonna say then <laughs> okay i'll just keep going um so i thought i would talk about something called the royal aquarium uh which is not an aquarium and this is what's so brilliant about it um is that it's possibly one of the well i don't know about maddest it's not quite the maddest thing that has ever been built in London, but it's one of the sort of most, un I guess, most unusual and short-lived as well. So we chatted last week about how it's on the site of what is now the Methodist Central Hall. And if anyone knows Central London, um, if you can picture Westminster Abbey, as you come out of Westminster Abbey, you know, doing your best Kate Middleton impression, coming out the main door, straight ahead of you and slightly over to the right is a quite a big ornamental building with a, a sort of a dome on top and that is the methodist central hall and that is where the royal aquarium and winter garden were located and it was basically a big old entertainment venue uh, but victorian style okay so we're not talking you know like axe throwing and and kind of bumper cars but we're talking the victorian version which is well we'll come to to exactly what it was um and it was Possibly one of, I reckon, London's shortest lived big buildings because it's it was so huge. I mean, it was really, really enormous and it cost a fortune to build. And it's the kind of thing that, especially if you were living at the time, you'd, you'd look at it and you'd go, well, that's going to be here for centuries because it was massive. And it was there for about 25 years and it was built, this huge big thing, and then demolished. And 
it's so it's, it's quite an unusual one. So it was built in 1876 and it was demolished in 1903. Well, most of it was. There was a little bit that remained for a few years. Um, and it looked very similar to, if you imagine, the Crystal Palace from the Great Exhibition. Now, Emily and I, we both know what that looks like because we talk about it all the time. Uh, but basically, it was a sort of massive hall made of mostly glass and that was very similar to what the Royal Aquarium was like as well. Why do you reckon it's called the Royal Aquarium, Em? I guess because when it comes to an aquarium, you look through glass to be able to see all the, you know, things that are swimming through it. So maybe if it's a building that's made out of glass, is it about people kind of looking or gulping at something? Well, the building itself isn't actually made from glass so much. It's more the roof that is made from glass. and It's got that kind of barrel roof. But the reason is there were loads of tanks that were destined for fish, but no fish were ever put in them. Oh, no. Yes. So it, it went so, to the, the effort of being called yeah. the Royal Aquarium. Yes. For the for the fact that there weren't going to be fishes. And the, and there were no fish. There was there no at one fish. point a dead whale. A dead whale? Yeah, but we'll come back to the dead whale because it's it, honestly, the whole, it, this, it, it's, it's bonkers, this whole thing. So... It was set, when it was set up, it was created by um, a, a society that was a kind of limited company, actually. And they plumbed in about £200,000 into uh, the, building this, this huge entertainment venue, essentially. Um, they sold shares for £5 each and that, that accrued the money. Now, £200,000 in today's money is about £15.5 million. So it's a whopper. Like, it's mm. a lot of cash that's going mm. in here to something that basically ended up as a bit of a financial failure. Um, there'd been an aquarium recently built in Brighton and it was really successful. And, you know, the the people who'd invested had, had really reaped the benefits of that. The, the, the share price had gone up massively. So they kind of thought, well, let's do it. If it works in Brighton, let's do it in London. And they got a whole load of people together. Now, some quite interesting names. And these are the kind of things that when you look at the names... You go, oh, yeah, 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 lots of lots of men. And then you look at them, you're actually quite interesting people. So one of the top guys on the board was a guy called William Whiteley. Uh, any dings in the back of their heads to the name William Whiteley? William Whiteley? Mm, I don't know. I don't what if so. I just said to you, Whiteley's? Whiteley's? Yeah. The brand? Not the brand. Well, sort of the brand. There's a, basically, there's a shopping centre in Bayswater called Whiteley's oh, Shopping yes. Centre. And he was a retailer and he had this big shop, massive sort of department store thing in Bayswater, which then became the shopping centre. Oh, right. So I love this sort of thing where people, everyone knows Whiteley's Shopping Centre if you live in that area, but nobody would maybe link it to a, a guy, who, a particular person who was basically a big investor in stuff. Another person who came in was Arthur Sullivan. Do you know who he is? Uh, wasn't he a writer? No, he was a musician. Oh. Famous for Gilbert and Sullivan. He is the Sullivan oh, really? of Gilbert and oh, Sullivan. Of course. So, the, you know, the, the, the duo that wrote things like Pirates of Penzance and the Mikado. Mm. And so he is coming in to this because there is a big musical element here and he's going to be the, the big music dog as well. And we'll see a couple more names. The architect is a guy called Alfred Bedborough. Have you heard of him? No. No, nobody has. He built one thing and it was this. All right. <laughs> and <laughs> this in last. This is it. Actually, his dad was a bit more successful. His dad was a master mason at Windsor Castle. Oh, okay. And Alfred kind of, when I could do that too, came in. And to be fair, it was a very nice building he built, but it was a massive failure and didn't really build anything else. So there we go. So 
the name, the aquarium. So, you, as I mentioned, not really an aquarium. It's actually so, so much more. It's a Victorian, you know, that, that Victorian idea of more is more. Mm. If you, it's not, there's no kind of subtlety about it. If you can build something massive and have a ton of stuff going on, that's what they're going to do. So it was a cultural kind of entertainment hub as well. And the one phrase that, um, that was written in the planning of this was this phrase here. So it's going to include vocal and instrumental performance of the most brilliant manner, supported by a splendid orchestra and best known artists of the day. Oh, sounds absolutely delightful. I have two I tickets, know. please. I know, absolutely. Yep, yeah, sign mm. me up, sign me up. Well, the music's only part of it. There's a lot more cool stuff that goes on. So, go on. I was just going to say, so visually, because you know you said yeah. it was just uh, glass at the top. Yes. So could you see, was it kind of like a glass dome? Could you only see the glass if you were inside looking up? Well, it was a sort of glass and iron roof that was okay. made into, you know, that kind of classic Victorian structure of, of it being mm. this this big... There was a dome and part of it, but the rest of it was almost like this long hall. It was about, about 100 or so metres long, which is about 340 feet long. So it's quite mm. large. Mm. Um, and about 50 metres wide, 160-ish feet wide. Um, and the, the dome goes up to about 100 feet. So it's really, really large. Um, and so you've got this, this dome section, but also like a long hall in the middle. Okay. And that would be the bit that you have this glass and steel dome going over the top of it. And in here you've got, I mean, I always think of it a little bit like the Palm Court at Alexandra Palace that we spoke about a few weeks ago. Ah, yeah. Because the main hall was filled with palm trees and fountains and, oh, wow. oh my goodness, there was sculptures and all sorts of stuff. And in amongst this, you then had 13 huge glass tanks that sort of went around the edge of, the, of this massive hall. And this was supposed to be the aquarium where it was going to be filled with all manner of sea creatures and fish and you name it. Just 13 or 30? 13, one three. Wow, okay. Yeah, still yeah. not 30, still, but it's still know, big. Still impressive, yeah. And they were, they were absolutely enormous. And so this gave the entire building. Now, when the building was starting to kind of fade in popularity a bit, it was given the nickname The Tank. Oh, then, no, you know, that doesn't so, sound as good, does it? doesn't sound as good, does it? The Royal Aquarium or <laughs> yeah, the, the tank. tank. So towards the end of its life, it, it was a little bit, yeah, it was called The Tank by a lot of people. Mm. Um, so, yes, you've got this huge big kind of hall, almost like... A, they sort of described it as a promenade. So you can imagine the Victorians tootling around, a bit like the Pleasure Gardens, really, wandering up and down. Um, you know, they obviously decided Pleasure Gardens in the Georgian era, let's pop a roof on, do something similar. Um, so you've got, and it was kind of supposed to be a winter garden as well. Now, winter garden, very simply, is a garden that you can use in the winter. So it, this exotic palm tree fountain Greenhouse. filled room, it meant that mm. you didn't have to rely on the weather for it. It's covered over. You can use it in the winter. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So you've got exotic trees and shrubs and all sorts of stuff. Um, the fountains were kind of, uh, they would move. They, they, you know, they could be programmed to move a little bit differently. And then all, oh, across from the entrance, you had the space, the kind of orchestra. Well, I'm going to say pit, but it wasn't really. It was the orchestra area, let's say. And you could accommodate about 400 performers in there. So it's God, not small. It's huge, isn't it? It's enormous. Are there photographs? Because you said it was there yeah. until early 1900s. So there's cause... drawings and the odd photograph. Yes. Wow. So I'm, they're going to be up on the on the show notes. Um, so you can go and have a look at them. God, but it yeah. must have taken focus away a little bit from Westminster Abbey, which yeah, is unbelievable, really. Yeah. yeah. 
absolutely mm. so this music is is happening you know in the, the 400 um seat orchestra by arthur sullivan of gilbert and sullivan he's the mm. guy who's figuring out what to play and you know that's a big name that's a big draw right there yeah yeah and then around this main hall you had loads of other rooms so you had you, from that main hall you couldn't see outside apart from through the roof there were other ha- other rooms that went around the outside and they were for all sorts of things there were reading rooms um there was a smoking room there were places to eat as well there were even rooms just for playing chess so you could go and they would be, have everything that you needed there if you wanted to go and have a game of chess um there were rooms where it had everything if you wanted to go and write letters correspondence oh and there was quite even, exciting it's kind of it's a bit of a anything you want it's it's mm. under one roof and for women on, as well that? not just men sorry for women as well oh yeah absolutely mm. yeah 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 which for the victorians is pretty decent yeah um once you'd written those lovely letters, there's a telegraph office, so you can uh, send and receive messages as well. So, you know, if you're going to be there, you can tell someone to, to telegram you there. Yeah. Um, there were, uh, what else was there? Oh my goodness, there was a skating rink. A skating rink was a they were really fashionable. Well. We had it in Ali Pali as well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Very fashionable. There it's was so a... weird to think people were skating just that close to Parliament Square. I know, I know. It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there were rooms where... Even if you were, whether you were a local or a tourist, if you wanted to kind of take a break from your sightseeing or work or whatever, there were rooms which were stocked with both um, British and foreign newspapers in different languages, magazines and other kind of literature. They were trying to assemble a sort of almost like um, a reference library as well of of all sorts of books that were written in the English language, you know, a bit like you have in, in Oxford. So this they were kind of anticipating this being the sort of central London Crystal Palace and a real place that everyone was going to come to for centuries. You know, it was a big deal. There was an art gallery as well. Now, the art gallery was... um, They were aiming to be one of the best art galleries in the country because the guy in charge of it was John Everett Millet, one of the Mm. pre-Raphaelite painters. So they're bringing in all these big names to, you know, they're not not faffing. And then at the western end of this building, there was also a theatre. The theatre was originally called the Royal Aquarium Theatre and then it later became the Imperial Theatre. And the very famous actor Lily Langtry used to perform. Oh, we've spoken about her before, haven't we? Um, we haven't done an episode on her. I think... We might oh, have mentioned we her about Ellen Terry. Did we I mention think, her at the same time? maybe so. Maybe Lily but... Langtry's an, another episode that we should do because mm, she's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's in plays there and actually later on she is going to buy the theatre but that we're going to oh. come to that. Um, one of the best bits I think of, of info about this and to kind of give you a sense of the sort of people that they anticipated going here, they had a division bell in there. Now, some people might not know what a division bell is. There are still pubs in the Westminster area that have this. It is a bell that you put in place which rings whenever a vote is about to take place in the house of commons so that that means that any members of parliament who need to go and vote so in the pubs if they'll and the couple still exist whether or not they're functional i don't know you could be sitting there having your dinner the bell goes off giving you seven minutes to get back to the house of commons before they shut the doors and then your own you can only vote if you're inside the house so there was a division bell in the royal aquarium this just sounds like 
an incredible place a place which really caters to everybody mm, absolutely and lots of different things going on that makes you want to sit down and stay there you yeah. know it's not just like you're going to go there for the evening you can go and play a little bit of chess yeah. go and you know have a little look at the gallery yeah i i am loving this yeah and then there's also as well as all that you've got your orchestra and all this in the main hall mm. they've then got almost you know how victorians like their music halls and they have performers doing stuff i mean th- this main hall could could accommodate about two and a half thousand people so it's huge and so they they had performers who could do you know music and stuff but you know that victorian thing of anything that's a bit unusual people who are a bit unusual um feats of strength and daring do all of that kind of stuff ends up part of it so you could go to this big hall and you'd have acrobats and tightrope walkers and we're going to come to some of them later because there's some really interesting people that performed here um you know all and the program would be out and there'd be performances all the way through the day and in the evening as well i was going to say so does it open it's practically open from you know the the get-go of the day until yeah i don't know what the actual opening times were i've not been able to find out that exact detail but that Mm. when you look at the programs they have what's on in the morning what's on in the afternoon who's performing and all that kind Mm -hmm. of thing um, now, before we get on to that, I want to just touch on this failed aquarium part. So, yes, let's get back to the dead fish. Oh my goodness, right. So there is, I'm going to read, uh, this is a, a passage that comes from um, the planning documents for it, and um, it gives us a scale, a, an idea of the scale of everything. This is quite long, it's about two paragraphs, but I'm going to read it because it will, it, it really puts it into perspective. So this is the plan for it. Okay. The large tanks for fish on each side of the Great Central Avenue have sills of polished granite and are lighted both from above and at the back, the plate glass in front being one inch in thickness. The whole of the flooring of encaustic tiles on concrete cement is now being laid down. The promenade or winter and summer garden is about 400 feet long by 160 feet wide and is approached by two bold entrances from the Tot Hill Street frontage. That's the bit that gives out onto Westminster Abbey. Surmounted by pediments with representations of Neptune and the seahorse, above which rises a figure of Britannia 12 feet in height. So even the frontage of this thing is on an epic scale. Wow. It goes on. The height of the gallery from the floor to the promenade is 16 feet, and from this level to the springing of the vaulted roof is about 16 feet. The whole height from the floor level to the top of the roof is 72 feet. The galleries around the building are 40 feet in width, a large portion being set apart for refreshments. On the north side in the centre is the large orchestra, 60 feet by 40 feet. The concert room at the west is a noble and lofty apartment and is capable of being converted into a large and handsome theatre, which is what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. It is 106 feet long by 66 feet in width. The stage is 30 feet in width, to the sides of the proscenium and 43 feet in depth. So these, this is a big scale thing. And it finishes with, there are two, also two galleries, which together with the ground floor space will accommodate an audience of two and a half thousand persons. About 800 tonnes of iron have been used in the construction of the building. I'm just trying to, because I'm picturing what is there now, the Central Methodist Hall, mm. which is a huge building. I don't know yeah. the, the capacity inside, but there's a massive... Uh, auditorium in there that would only have been one part that where that section is the the section that's then behind it which is all newer buildings that it would have been down there as well so it's not Mm. just that corner it's all the way down tot hill street wow Wow. huge so the aquarium right now this is where things get a bit 
a bit pricey. Um, they decided they were going to do this very extensive and and pricey system, which where they, they sank four cisterns into the foundations of the building. You've got these 13 tanks and um, this these cisterns are going to supply both fresh and seawater. Oh, so you can, you know, do different types of fish. Um, there are also, as well as these cisterns, there are nine reservoirs down there. Seven for salt water and two for fresh water. Um, and they're built on this bedrock, about four or five feet thick of concrete. Um, and it's going to hold, the plan was it for it to hold about 700,000 gallons of water. <gasps> so it's a huge amount. Who on earth like, has come up with this part? This it, is insane. Well... Alfred Bedbro, <laughs> it's him. <laughs> it's like, and and the committee really and this company. Our fish. I know. And so the, the, these huge tanks of fish, now they ran into problems very, very quickly and, and it, it just it wasn't fit for purpose. And so these huge tanks just lay empty and it became a joke. And so people were just making fun of it. And, you know, when this, this whole aquarium, I say in inverted commas, is up and running, there's no fish in there. So it just becomes a, like a, a running joke. And so, in 1877, now bear in mind that it's open 1876, so they've already failed at putting fish in. But why? Why can't they get fish in there? I don't understand. Well, they they did try to put fish in there, and I think at some point there maybe were a few fish in there. Often it's the way, I mean, well, the, the water, they didn't really understand about aerating water and things oh, like that. So right. it's all of that. I mean, whether or not the water would get contaminated, that salt and fresh and yada, yada, I don't know. Right. So but maybe the there were would, fish, but the they're fish just, just constantly dying. Instantly. Oh, God, yeah. And, and while often, you're sipping on your cocktail, you don't want to look over your shoulder and see some kind of like upside <laughs> down. This massive tank with a load of goldfish <laughs> just floating on the top. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they do, now they do decide they're going to ship in fish from all over the place, including a whale. And this is this is a bit horrible bit of the of the story, but it, it you know oh, it shows no. the kind of incompetence. The, the whale is shipped in from Canada, from from Labrador, um, all the way from Canada. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And when it got here, it was found. Well, it, it, they people thought that the whale had got a cold. A cold. It's got yeah. a bit of a sniffle. Well, no, because there was all loads of mucus coming from the blowhole of the whale. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. And what happened essentially is that when they put the whale into the tank on a Wednesday oh. and it died by Saturday. <laughs> oh, and God. so, because uh, I, in my mind, I was thinking small, 13 kind of small fish tanks. But so some of them are absolutely some huge. Of them have, yeah, it would have been big. Some of them I mean, would have I, been big enough for a whale. <gasps> yeah, I mean, I don't know how much a whale would have actually been able to swim around Either, in them. That's a question. Exactly. So oh, you think about, it's probably having a lovely time in Canada. Oh, having, and, a, having a whale of a time, mate. <laughs> having a whale of a time. And then suddenly, he's here in England being placed in a tank he can't even turn around in. Probably. Four days later, he's dead. Yeah. And and it was it was essentially the trip that killed him. They, they He'd been you know, on an, on an open deck exposed over, over the Atlantic. And they'd been covering him with seawater every few minutes. But the seawater, you know, every few minutes, we know with whales, you've got to keep them constantly wet. And then he got basically really cold as he was coming across the, the Atlantic. Oh. And it, it impacted his lungs and that was it. So after the, the whale had died, you'd imagine they'd take it out, right? <gasps> they just kept it in there? Kept it in there. What on they earth? They kept it in there until it was basically oh fetid gosh. and the smell was too much. <gasps> you look around the corner, Damien Hurst <laughs> going, can I use this? I know. Victorian so version. Is, so they failed at putting fish in. They all die. And then when the whale gets here, it dies. And they're like, eh, keep it in anyway. Just keep like, it in. I mean, just keep it in there. 
and she, ba- yeah, basically rotted, and oh, then that's it became disgusting. Yeah, it became horrible. Because the water would have gone kind of black and green and... Well, I don't know about that so much, but it definitely would have started you know, flaking away and oh, Flaking away. It would have been horrible. So, but again, no one's ever seen a whale. So it's still going to be oh, I a wonder point of interest. They, like if the bones are anywhere. I wonder if the bones of that particular Good whale question. in there. I don't know what happened to that whale after it was eventually fished out. but Eventually fished out. Oh yeah. my God. Poor whale. The poor whale. So know. then there were just these empty tanks. Bits of whale floating in it. Oh, you know, like Punch Magazine, who always kind of like did these yeah. uh, satirical kind of sketches. There oh, must have be some of... things about the whale. There keep, must saying, be. keep saying having a whale of a time. Having a whale of a time. But... Anyway. Um, oh, so, yeah, so it, it's that bit's a, a bit of a failure. But one thing that is a massive hit is the entertainment there. So this thing that I mentioned about the, the music hall style and... You know, the people who uh, they they consider different. It Victorians. We talked about um, a bedlam, didn't we? Going, mm-hmm. you know, the people um, going in to see the people who were in bedlam, and it was it was a bit of entertainment. You'd go in and you'd try and go with these people, and it was it, it's sideshow essentially. This is kind of what happens here, um, and Victorians are they're like that. Anybody who's a little bit different, um, anyone who's you know a bit small or really tall or too big too small maybe had extra fingers whatever it might be extra fingers. do you know what i mean like anything anything that we <laughs> yeah. we might consider you know today we, people, i just love that that's different. what came i don't know why, i don't know why that's came i was <laughs> flinging my hand around in front of my face but you know people with disabilities they considered it entertainment so mm. um if you think of that the greatest showman which mm. is the sort of the story of pt barnum uh, it's that kind of thing and in fact some of the people who did work at um the royal aquarium did later go on to work for pt barnum as well so it's very much in this zone and there's quite a lot of stuff that happens here one of the things that there seems to get quite a lot there's i'm going to go through a few of the the um the acts but one of the things that seems to get quite a lot of press is when the royal aquarium hosted their first ping pong tournament (gasps) ping pong not ping pong ping pong and not only that Women were playing as well. Women were not playing ping pong. Women were Alex, playing ping pong. You've completely got that wrong. I that know. cannot be correct. <laughs> of all the things. Of all the things. <laughs> so yeah, so it was um that that got quite a lot of headlines. Uh, and there's we're gonna put a picture of the those two women who were in the final, Mrs. Thomas and Miss V Eames, who uh, who fought each other in the final. There's um a, a picture of them, not a, a photo, but a, a drawing of that happening in there but i want to go through a few of the people because there are some very interesting people here now one of the things that the royal aquarium was very good at is all the people who were like a show of strength you know all that sort of thing Mm. there's a very interesting lady called rosa matilda richter who performed at the royal aquarium when she was 14 and she was and the royal aquarium saw for the very first time the first human cannonball Wow. This is where it originated. The at first the Royal Aquarium. human cannonball. Yeah. So the first human cannonball yeah. was a woman. Was a woman and was at the Royal Aquarium. Now, it's something that was a bit... So the Royal Aquarium, because it had so many things that we would kind of consider sort of acrobatics and stuff today, and a lot of them were quite dangerous, the licence that it had to, that you needed to, to put on entertainment 
often was threatened with being pulled away because so many kind of dangerous acts and, and things that were going on there that people started complaining about and going, oh my goodness. And this was one of them, this this um, human cannonball. Her, she, so her name was Rossa, but she was known as Zazel. And she was 14 years old when it started. Now, we should, I, I'm very tempted, actually, to put an entire episode on about her because she is fascinating. And we're not, we haven't got time to do her entire story in, in this week's episode. I just, I mean, what, what possessed her to get in in the first place? Well, she's, she's an acrobat anyway. She's in the circus and she started out doing tightrope walking and trapeze artisting. So, you know, it's another step. And it's done. It was, it was um, created by um, a guy called William Leonard Hunt, who uh, was known as the Great Farini. And he was a tightrope walker and trapeze artist in his own right. And it was this spring-style cannon. So basically, it's got this... I don't know if you've ever wondered how they do the human cannonballs, but it's a, a spring at the bottom. But it's very dangerous because she had to tense her body completely because if you don't then it's just not it's not going to work so if she if it ever was to go off a bit early and she wasn't fully tense she could have been really really badly injured um but they this is where they did it so she was launched usually about 70 meters across this auditorium across this thing and um when the audiences would go and see her now very unusually for Victorian audiences, they would be silent because they were so excited to see this. And normally Victorian audiences, you couldn't shut them up, but this, you know, you could hear a pin drop when she got mm. up. And um, she was 14 when she started doing this in 1877. So she gets shot out of this cannon into a net. But the trouble is, it's not, it's not really easy to figure out where you're going. It's not a very accurate cannon. So she just sort of had to take her life in her hands a little bit whilst being shot across this huge auditorium, really. I mean, you've got to have confidence, haven't you? At the age of 14. I know, I know. And being the first as well, it's not like you can visualise somebody else that's done it. You're going to be the first one yeah. stepping in there. Can you imagine being whole... her parents? Well, oh no, it's interesting you mention her parents because her dad was quite against this whole thing and she'd had this career, you know, she started quite young and she'd had this career um, as a, tightrope walker and trapeze artist she'd had a couple of uh, accidents and he wasn't really up for her doing this um really <laughs> i know right from shocker um and she he signed her on with somebody without realizing quite who it was he was signing her on with so there's a whole story there which we i think we should maybe do an episode on her at some point yeah i think um, so i think yes. so but um she what's really interesting is that um this had because of this has become i mentioned that the the license was always a little bit you know, people kept sort of writing in and people actually wrote to the Home Secretary, quite a lot of people, and said, "You, this is really dangerous and you have to issue a warning. Um, and so the Home Secretary eventually went, yeah, OK, you know, alert warning. You guys are on a last, you know, a, a last warning here and, and this is not a good thing to do. And the manager of the, um, uh, I don't know if it was the manager of the show or the venue, but said to the Home Secretary, no, no, it's really, really safe. Would you like to come and be shot out of the cannon's mouth yourself? Are you kidding me? Literally, yeah, why don't you step into it and just see how safe it is? And his reply was... Well, funnily enough, he, did, he wasn't up for it. But, oh, you right, know, okay. Um, but I, I love that thing of the managers going, you know, I'm just going to double down on this. Yeah. It's, it's safe. Fine. Come and try it yourself. Into it. Why don't you come? 
It's fantastic. Oh. Um, another chap that's worth mentioning is a guy called James Gordon. Now, this is a quite different... Uh, I, I don't want to call it a show, really, because it's not a show. It was a bit more like the kind of thing that you get when people do big sponsored walks for charity and they go across, you know, Land's Edge, John O'Groats and, it, and it's a, a thing, okay? So this chap, James Gordon, he was a street porter from Scotland, from Dundee. And he was 47. He'd been an apprentice in a sort of engineering practice. And that's obviously quite dangerous. And he'd actually, well, he hadn't quite lost his hand. He'd lost um, a few fingers and a thumb and he'd had his hand basically completely ruined. He couldn't really use it. And he'd, he couldn't get work anywhere else because anything else that you needed, uh, you needed two hands for really, you know, baking, oh, all sorts him. of stuff. And he had 12 children. Oh. Um, four of them had died. Oh. <gasps> And he was finding it so hard to get work and to put food on the table, basically, to, to support his family. And he, he wasn't getting any offers of work. He couldn't really do anything. Um, nobody was willing to employ him. So he thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to push a wheelbarrow all the way from Dundee to London and back again. What? About a thousand miles. <gasps> um, in order to, to, you know, earn money, to raise money. A wheelbarrow. Um, yeah. And when he got to London, he appeared at the Royal Aquarium and he had a couple of days off, thank goodness. And visitors came to see him because uh, this had been, you know, in the press and, and all that kind of stuff. And he had, um, he took a collection essentially. So anyone who came to see him during his journey and also at the aquarium where he kind of held court, I guess, had his own little sort of audience, um, would put money in this box. And then as he's going around the country on this route, he was popping into um, the local bank or the post office where he would put the money into his account and, and send it back to his wife. So he's still trying to feed his family, even though he's doing this, this around the country. Fantastic. So he's kind of like the first kind of sponsored yeah. walk. Kind of, yeah. Um, I just But it's oh, his family uh, that is the... Was there anything in his wheelbarrow was it empty did it i'm have not 100 sure i think it was empty home? no i mean he might have put everything he needed to for the journey but yeah he wasn't selling anything as far as i'm aware it was kind of a publicity stunt really but it, you Gosh, know one I wonder to if amaze, he amaze kind of, his family if it's a thousand miles you know that's a good few nights of kip before you're on the road again mm. God, I'd love to meet him and just... I'd have so many questions for him. <laughs> Did he sleep under his wheelbarrow? I mean, I don't know. I, I, he he probably have wouldn't have had money to... to, to go maybe into... people were taking him in. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Wow. There was another wow. guy who made headlines at the aquarium. A guy called Tommy Burns, who was a really well-known swimmer. I don't know how you become a well-known swimmer, but mm. he was. And he decided he was going to do this trick where he was going to climb up into the dome of this aquarium um and dive from the top you know that thing that you often see in old movies of people diving into a really shallow pool people often think it's a small pool it's like a bucket or something but it's not it's a it's a pool but it's relatively shallow so he was going to dive from the top of the dome into a six meter deep pool which is not that oh. deep when you're yeah. diving get this 83 feet oh <gasps> yeah and even before this he'd even done it it was making headlines around the world and journalists from around the world were invited to essentially a preview of him doing this. And there was one newspaper who described, I think it was a newspaper actually from New Zealand. So people came from all over the place. 
He said that he appeared on stage looking a very pretty fellow in his blue tights and flesh-coloured jersey. On his breast, he wore a garment consisting principally of the gold and silver medals he'd won in swimming and diving contests. So that's how he's become a famous swimmer. Gosh, he sounds fantastic. Blue tights. Oh, and he was hauled all the way up, 83 feet, into the this dome of the of the aquarium. He dived in, he did a <gasps> somersault as he dove, and then he landed on his back. Now, I don't know if this was intended or not, but it splashed all the onlookers and they were delighted. <laughs> Whoa. So, like going to SeaWorld and having the, <laughs> the whale splash you. They loved it. And then after that, he gave a, what has been described as an exhibition of, in quotes, fancy swimming. Um with in this in this pool that was there it's a bigger pool than the one he dived into and what he did apparently was imitations of different fish so he swam like salmon cod shark porpoise (laughs) skate and flatfish and everyone thought it was fascinating so just kind of like a little extra i bet he had that in the bag and thought you know what of course he did if i sod up this whole dive and you know maybe i don't even make it in (laughs) i'm gonna have to you know, go for plan B and do my whole, oh, this is me being a salmon trick. It's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> so thought, oh, that went well. I'll just yeah. do this as well. I'll just go and swim like a porpoise for a bit and just see what people think. It's fantastic. How random. But even better, when the paying public came in, because of course these journalists wouldn't have paid, but when mm. the actual audience came in, he didn't go to 83 feet. Oh no, he went to 100 feet. He went up further. Feet. So they get the full show. Yeah. Gosh, it's interesting because you can go up into... um. Uh, the dome of the Central Methodist Hall now. Mm, they mm. do tours up there, don't they? Yeah. And I don't know, what's. do you know the height difference? Between... I don't know what the height of that is. I think the aquarium would have been higher than that, would have been wow. taller. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, but I mean, still, it's, it's a long way up. Crazy. Now, there's a couple of people who I cannot find out what their acts actually consisted of, but the names are phenomenal. So... <laughs> I, I, and I did some serious deep diving to try and find out what these people did. I, there was nothing coming up. It just everybody just referred to them by the title of their of their piece, but didn't actually say what it was. So one of them was a guy called Hair Blitz, and Hair he Blitz. was Hair Blitz, and he was a plate spinning extraordinary. Now we can probably figure out that he was doing plate spinning, you know that yeah. kind of. But my favorite, one of my favorite ones, is Nat Emmett's wonderful goats. <laughs> I cannot wow. find out what was wonderful about these goats. Wonderful Everywhere goats. I found, I did. just says Nat Emmett's wonderful, wonderful goats. I we don't, I don't know what he did. And is another there a one thing about goats standing on top of each other. Is that Maybe a thing that, might, that might just be from from Wallace and Gromit, where the sheep all do the. I don't uh, know. You know, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> you, you know exactly. That is where my mind is right now. I know your brain. Ardman Productions. Terrifying. Um, and there's another guy who was called Monsieur Nathan, the marvellous chair manipulator. Oh, what a what sexy name. I don't know what he did. A chair how manipulator. You, how do you manipulate a chair? And how, how do you, you manipulate yeah. a chair marvellously as well? Marvellously. God, what does he do? Like sit on it and just like it disappears? I don't uh, know. I, I, have n- I couldn't find out for the life of me. If anyone out there... Is is better at rummaging than me. Please let me know. Please, we need what, some. What did Nat Emmett's wonderful evidence. goats do? I love it. Yeah. There were some other swimmers as well called the Beckwith swimmers. Oh. Um, a chap called William Beckwith. He was part of a family uh, of swimmers. Um, his sister, who was called Agnes Alice, or just referred to as Miss Beckwith, because of course she was a woman, therefore needs no name. She was um a, a bit of a champion. She she'd swum a six mile um swim 
along the River Thames, and I'm not talking River Thames out in the country, I'm talking centrally. Oh, in the 19th century? Yeah, when the river would have been fetid. um, From London Bridge to Greenwich. Um, And she did it as a teenager, unbelievably. So she kind of became famous from that. And then all of this family together performed all of these different swimming things like feats of endurance and stuff. And and they would perform together. There's some playbills that were put on the... um, on the, the the show notes as well um one of now this is the brilliant thing so um william beckwith who is the, the the brother in this group some of his crazy things that he did is he became quite famous for smoking underwater not sure how you do oh, that now we've spoke about this before we did uh, where, what was that in relation to we spoke about it i think it was alexandra palace about a woman who did so many different things in water we did didn't we yeah, so maybe that Is was going related? around at the time. Are they the same family? Oh, We're going to have to look into that. We're going to have to look into that. What was his name? He, uh, the, the Beckwith family. Mm. Beckwith. Mm. And uh, William also ate two sponge cakes underwater as well, which oh, apparently yes. was... She was doing this as well. She, because she was eating, smoking, sewing. Maybe uh, this, the Beckwiths have popped up maybe, again then. yeah, the Beckwiths. Miss Beckwith in particular, she she did she danced underwater. She did waltzing and she undressed underwater as well. Saucy. Is she saucy. Saucy, saucy. But one of my favourite people, and again, I think we might do an episode on her because I did an episode of Global Tea Break on her and I absolutely adore her, is a lady called Miss Lala. And Miss Lala, um, who, that's not her real name, fairly obviously, um, her real uh, name was, she, she was a Polish lady called Anna Olga Albertina Brown. And what's interesting about her is that she was a black woman. Now, I say this is interesting because she was one of the most celebrated uh, acrobatic performers of the age, and it was very unusual to have a black woman on stage. And she did, again, things like, wire walking and trapeze and all that sort of stuff but the mm. real thing that got her famous was her iron jaw routine and she <gasps> performed at the royal aquarium um she was quite so whereas i think i believe from photos that i've seen um zazel or the the human cannibal was i think relatively tall or tall ish it's hard to, to always tell um Anna Olga or Miss Lala was was very um petite very you know sort of statuesque and, and quite kind of compact you know she was really really strong and she did these uh trapeze things where she would hang from well it started out where the first thing that she'd do is she would um hang from her jaw so hang from her she'd be clamping the trapeze in her mouth (gasps) Uh, well rather a hook that's on the trapeze in her mouth and she'd hang from that oh and then it went up so that she then would be she'd be winched up and she'd have her knees over the trapeze and in her mouth she would then have a second trapeze and on that trapeze firstly a child would would perform on it then a woman and then a man so she's holding this between her teeth in her jaw and then a duo so two people got on that trapeze that she's still holding and then um that trapeze that she's still got in her mouth another woman did a toe hang off it so you literally hang off with your toes yeah with another woman in her arms. So at this point, you know, Miss Lala has got the entire weight of two fully grown humans in her mouth. And then, this is where it goes even bonkers, she then was winched even further up, only with one knee over the trapeze. And she then had one man, like a you know, fully grown adult man in each arm and one man on the trapeze in her mouth. 
And then the last thing that she would do is she would lift up, said cannons are clearly a big thing. She would hold, again, a cannon in her teeth, so on a hook in her teeth. She would be winched up into the eaves again and the cannon would fire. And, I mean, this is what she, this was her, she was the most incredible woman. And the reason I find her so fascinating, well, there's a variety of reasons I find her fascinating, but one of them is you have seen Miss Lala. Because if you have seen that Degar portrait of... Now, I always used to think, before I knew who she was, that this Degar portrait was a woman sort of jumping because she's her body is going up you can see a a tent above her and then her knees are kind of bent up behind her let me bring up a a picture i'm just going to do the uh, very classic thing that is always really good to do on podcasts which is google something uh (laughs) very classic form of entertainment so let me find it for emily so that she you can hear her go oh yeah it Um, just it makes you know britain's got talent seem incredibly lame doesn't it yeah you know, I think the problem is health and safety went a bit too mad because this is the kind of entertainment that I would pay to go and see. <laughs> I know. So I'm just going to share my screen with Emily and she will see and hopefully describe for you better than I did this painting that is so famous. You know this one, don't you, Em? Oh, yes. So it's a sort of an orangey background. And if you want to see, you can either go onto our show notes or you can just pop into Google. I put in Miss Lala Degas, D-E-G-A-S, and it'll come oh, up. So it's this, yes, there this she orange is. roof and she's got her knees bent underneath her. And I always thought she was just leaping like a sort of dancer or something. But you can just tell that she has got something between her teeth and she's being lifted up. Now, she doesn't look very dark skinned. Her face does a little bit. Um, but she was black and she was known as Olga the Negress as well. Um, there was another Olga who was also uh, performing with her who was white. So together they were Olga la Blanche and Olga la, la Negress. So Olga the White and Olga the Black. And um, yeah, and, and so she is so famous from this painting by Degas. Is this, uh, do you think that this is depicting the interior of... The Royal Aquarium. No, this is uh, the Folie Bergère in Paris. Oh, right. Oh, so she performed in various places. Yeah, she wasn't actually British. She was originally Polish, but sort of, um, I don't know if she grew up in France, but definitely spent a lot of time there. However, she did end up living in London uh, for quite a while, and she went on to have three children, the first of whom was born in London. Um, and we don't really quite know what happened to her. The last we hear about her, she was applying for a US passport in 1919. So I assume she went to the US, but we don't really... She you can't really trace her after that um but yeah so really fascinating it's it's a gorgeous painting yeah it definitely well we'll put it up on instagram on on the show notes maybe but yeah also it's lovely to see the kind of thing that she would have worn which is uh really beautiful it looks Mm. quite silky quite small yeah this lovely sort of almost like baby doll outfit really gorgeous and she was part of a troupe that was um put together by a guy called pablo fanke um pablo fanke was british again he was a black performer um he had put together this group his, his name is not actually Pablo Fanke originally it was William Darby very normal name but he adopted this you know fabulous sort of Cirque name and and he put together a, a group of people and a lot of non-white performers because it was such a kind of exciting exotic thing for people to see and Pablo Fanke became very famous but after he died because well he was very famous in his own time with the the shows that were going but he was immortalized in a John Lennon song because there was a, um, I said John Lennon song, a Beatles song. In fact, it is, um, there's a, sh- a song which talks about, 
it's, it, in fact, the lyrics are, for the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there. Late of Pablo Fanke's fair, what a scene. And it's um, because there was a show poster, not, I don't believe, from the Aquarium, but just a show poster normally, that John Lennon found in a um, sort of junk shop or antique shop as they were um, filming Strawberry Fields together. We're doing the filming of it and he he loved it he bought it and then he used the, the text from it in one of his songs oh how fabulous which is on the sergeant's pepper lonely hearts club band album oh there, there go. you go i've got the lp so there we go you can go and listen so these are just <laughs> just a few of these fascinating people who live who, who worked in in this place that would have been holding the, the headlines at the time so why does it not exist now and what what really happened well the the trick with this is that when it gets to the 1890s uh the aquarium has become a bit of a bit of a den of iniquity lots of let's say unaccompanied ladies were wandering through the uh particularly the gallery area um in the search of you know men so a lot of women of the night as they were referred to at the time, basically women in the sex industry. Um, and there was a lot of nefarious stuff going on in dark corners. And so it lost its popularity quite a lot and nobody was really going anymore. And this is when it starts being called the tank. Um, and so after, you know, it's been there for about 25 years. It's been failing in part since the start. And this sort of flurry in the late 1870s into the 1880s of entertainment by the 1890s it's, it's it's gone over you know massively so in the end it was sold to the wesleyan methodists who knocked it down in 1903 and then on that site they built the central methodist hall now the only thing that didn't get knocked down immediately anyway was the theater which is on the western end we haven't really talked too much about that uh, but it, it did plays and you know normal normal theatrical stuff really and we mentioned Lily Langtree earlier. She, the reason it wasn't knocked down is because it had another couple of years running on the lease of the land. And so Lily Langtree actually bought the theatre and she kept it going. And it had this beautiful interior. It was really gorgeous. And when eventually it was knocked down, she um, was instrumental in having the, the interior saved. And it was then re-erected in Canning Town as another theatre, which was then renamed the Imperial Palace of Varieties. Oh. And that replaced the theatre that had been on that site in Canning Town as well. So there's lots of kind of moving around of stuff. But sadly, it's not there anymore. Um, there was a series of fires. It was repurposed as a bingo hall. And then eventually, when the Canning Town flyover was built, uh, it was knocked down. I think it was about the 1960s when that building was finally knocked down. But that interior had already gone in a fire. So um, nothing of the aquarium actually remains other than the site, which is now the Methodist Hall. But I mean, what a phenomenal and fascinating spot that I think, again, we can add it to our list of places, what I would have liked to have gone to definitely i just can't believe that that was there i've gone into the central methodist hall for you know various reasons over the years mostly lunch <laughs> mostly lunch downstairs yeah with the clients um <laughs> but no i have i have been in for a couple of talks or you know whatever um but to think that all of that happened just yeah. opposite westminster abbey yeah and in that place of so much importance 
And what I quite like about it is there are there are still a few little bits of entertainment. So the the New Year's Eve concert that happens, um, which this year just gone was hosted by Ollie Alexander and has been hosted by Robbie Williams before that takes place in that building. So there's still a bit of entertainment. And fun fact, um, if anyone has ever seen Calendar Girls, the film about the WI ladies who stripped off for the naked calendar to raise money for a cancer unit, um, there's a scene where they go to London to the kind of head office, I guess. Um, well, not the head office, but the, um, what, you, what are we going to call it? The, the sort of uh, the head committee, I guess. And in that scene, she goes up onto the stage and she talks to everybody and it was filmed in that, in that spot oh, there. there. So there's still a bit of entertainment that happens there. Yeah. And there's links to suffragettes that come a little bit later in the early 1900s, but that's a story for another day. So mm. there's still stuff that happens on that site. But yeah, I mean... Dead whales and and fabulous acrobats and and women, you know, with trapezes hanging from their mouths. Not anymore. And I think they did um, Saturday Night Live as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, with what's he called, James? James Corden. Yeah. And really? Did you say somebody else was called James? Ja- uh, uh, ja- no, I think you said James. James Gordon. Gordon. Yes. Oh, good yeah. link there. Um, good yeah. link. So there we go. Wow, how fascinating. It's like Alexandra Palace, but on, I don't know, steroids. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't get over it, really. And there are so many bits. Yeah. I mean, my mind can't help but keep going back to that poor whale. And wonder if those bones still exist. I know, I mean, it probably would have just been dumped somewhere, wouldn't it? But I mean, I don't know, the Victorians are quite good at stripping things down and, and, and you know, reusing things. I don't know, I don't know. Wow. There we go. Well, thank you. That was absolutely fascinating. My pleasure. My pleasure. Podcast pedestal. Podcast pedestal, then. Well, after you, my darling. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I really don't know where to go on this. I mean, I am a big, big fan of Miss Lala. Um, and I do think we're going to have to do a whole other show on her. Or at mm. least, at least maybe a couple of female acrobats or performers because there's there's a lot of there's good story there with Zazel as well so maybe we look at maybe we have female performers or acrobatics or something at some point I don't know but Pablo Fanco would be good to look at maybe we do a I don't know we'll think about it but what am I going to pick I mean I don't know if I just go for the dead whale because it's kind of it's 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 sad but it's kind of funny isn't it in a really gory way it's like it is horrifically funny um, it's that kind of thing where it's you I shouldn't mean, laugh. We shouldn't laugh, and awful for the whale. And, <sighs> and gen, you know, generally we have been rotters to a whole variety of people and animals. But if we look at it in the context of the actual venue, how they just fail to have any any fish, they just sort of gave up and shoved a dead whale in there. I think the context. I just think is, it's you know, really if, funny. If you go in for the first time and you've heard about you know the interiors and how it's fascinating, and you never know tonight you might see someone like diving into a tiny little fishbowl, and then you kind of enter this room and you look around and go, oh, this is pretty cool. And what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> oh, just ignore that. That's always here. But you can imagine. But what is it? It's a dead whale. Yes, just dead ignore well, just, it. Just, it's just, fine. Yeah. They're going to get rid of it. We know at some point. Just ignore it. Just ignore I'll talk it. Talk about the whale in the room. But yeah, it, it's, it's that. It's that thing of. I can imagine. You know, it was. It was. It was such a joke. The fact that there was nothing in all these aquariums. That when the dead whale was put in there, you can just imagine people like um, doubled over with laughter at 
seriously, gang, it's that bad that you you can only put a dead whale in it. Gosh, I mean, you've I, got I think that, I'm... and then you've got the guy who's pretending to be, you know, um, <laughs> pretending to be a bit of hake or whatever it was. Yeah. Right, I'm going for dead whale. You're going for dead whale. I'm oh, going for dead whale. A really good one. A really. I'm sorry. Really I have to. One. I have to. <laughs> but I'm. I'm also going to go on the fish theme because I just keep on going back to this. The guy that dives from the dome, eighty yeah. feet and then a hundred feet. Yeah. It's not the dive. I'm going for the impression <laughs> of <laughs> the the various fish impressions. Flat fish and hake and porpoise. I wonder and if all. he shouted out which fish he was being at the time. <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs> it's a or... shark. <laughs> what is this one? Oh, is that a salmon? No. It's gotta be a salmon. It's gotta it's be a salmon. God, come on. Oh, it's a trout. I go trout fishing. It's definitely a trout. <laughs> yes, I've got to go for that because it just okay. really emphasises the balmy entertainment. Yeah, I think it's there. balmy, isn't it? It's balmy. Yeah. There's so much balmy stuff going on here. It's a perfect yeah. word. Oh. Gosh, I think we're going brilliant. to go for the, the dead whale or wow. the guy pretending to swim like a fish. God. It, it, it keeps on getting trumped. You know, we were at yeah. the, the, the Mayfair, which was, you know, pretty crazy. We've yeah. been to Leicester Square where we talked about um, the globe and globe, all that kind yeah. of thing and the different entertainments. And this has just completely thrown all of that <laughs> overboard. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Let's do it. So Let's you're going to go it. for okay. the swimming guy swimming like a variety of fish <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna put that on the instagram instagram as a picture um and you're gonna go for a dead whale right okay. a dead whale. <laughs> i'll try and find a picture of a, a dead uh dead oh, humpback amazing. or something oh how terrible <laughs> oh dear gosh i've got a well, tattoo of a whale on my arm i'm not gonna be able to it yeah yeah i have yeah. Oh, is it dead uh, well, I mean, it does look a little bit like it needs a bit, bit of TLC, to be honest. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anywho. I don't know well, if listeners know how absolutely covered in tattoos you are. Not fully covered. I mean, if I had you're, more money, I would be. But, <laughs> I mean, you, but you've got both of your arms fully covered, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Bit of my back. I don't think people foot. know that about you. No. I, I didn't not. know that about you for a long time because you're very careful to wear long sleeves when you're working. I am. Yeah. I never get my tats out. Very <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> and then I remember working. meeting up with you when I didn't really know you it, at the very end of the first lockdown and we got horrifyingly drunk in the, uh, in in the, the, great, in the great cemetery over, over the road from your house. Classic. And then I just was like, oh my God, you're covered in tattoos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One anyway. of which is a whale. One of which is a whale. There we go. Uh, right. Anyway, so. The Wheel of Destiny. Wheel of Destiny. Wheel of Destiny. Yes. It's your week next week, isn't it? It is actually. Um, I kind of want to know what I'm, I want to talk about, so I'm just going to hope that it lands somewhere that links to it. Are you going to do another thing where you're just going to pretend? Be like, yeah, that oh, I can link it in, that's fine. I don't pretend. Sure, sure. You've never had any really vague ones, have you? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, Go I'm just going to spin Let's the wheel. spin it and see if you can figure out a link. Okay, here we go. St. James. St. James's. Okay. St. James. Okay. St. James. Um, what was it you wanted to pick? Actually, this works perfectly because I oh, really... Oh, of course it does. <laughs> I really want to talk You're about Tudor food and Tudor oh, etiquette. Yeah, mate. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm obsessed with how the Tudors eat and I've been talking about them this weekend and I've yeah. just been getting really excited. So I'm... <laughs> 
yes, I'm over in St. James's Palace. Oh, you could have linked that to so century. many places, couldn't you? Yeah, in that area, definitely. But yeah, I think it's quite an easy one, actually. You could have, you could have linked James's. that to the tower, you could have linked that to all sorts of yeah. places. Yeah, true. Cheaty, cheaty. Uh, no, not cheaty, cheaty. <laughs> you know, if there was nothing Tudor in the area of St. James, and I'd have to think of something else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I'd probably go for bowler hats or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But... No, I'm going to go for Tudor etiquette and Tudor, you know, dining, food. And what do they eat? What do they do at the table? It's not what people think, is it? No. So whatever you're thinking out there, listeners, think again. Yeah. Unless you're thinking about the right thing, in which case you're correct. Yeah, but... well done. <laughs> so yes, yeah. we're going to go there. Fabulous. Looking forward to it. Mm. Yay! Right, well, that's it for this week, listeners. Thank you so much for coming and listening. Thank you. We really you. appreciate it. Pop onto the website and enter the competition. And uh, we will see you next week. Brilliant. Can't for wait. Some, uh, for some Tudor food. <laughs> Have a lovely week, everybody. Bye. Bye.